Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. I'm bringing the fourth and the concluding part of my series on Waymakers. Waymakers. This is part four of Waymakers. And the subtitle is Waymakers and Rainmakers. Waymakers and Rainmakers. In the first three parts of this series, we've looked at Waymakers as giant killers and then as door openers and thirdly as people with small beginnings who go on to do great, great things for God. But today we want to explore how to see through the eyes of God. How to see the world through God's eyes. And so we are looking at waymakers and rainmakers. Let's start this journey from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 44. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 44. Waymakers and rainmakers. Are there some waymakers in the house? 1 Kings 18, verse 44 says, Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. God wants to pour his rain on somebody's life. Rain stands for nourishment. It stands for resuscitation, for productivity. Fertility, rain stands for abundance of supply. When there is no rain, there is dryness, there is drought, and then ultimately there is famine, and it could lead to loss of life. Have you ever looked at your life and felt sometimes that everything around you is dry? And the reality of your life, what you see with your eyes, is a clear contradiction compared to what is the promise upon your life and the expectation in your heart. There are times when we experience drought or famine in our spiritual lives, where you go on for a long time and you just don't feel close to God. There can be famine in your health. Famine in your relationships where nothing seems to go right with the people that you love. There can be famine in your ministry. There can be famine in your finances or in your career. What is famine? What is drought? What is scarcity? When you feel that the effort that you put in and the reward that comes out of it do not match. 
in order to break through such difficult situations and make a way as a way maker for generations after you you need to see and do things differently and so today we want to find out how god sees and how if we see things as god sees them we can bring down the rain in our lives let's go to the book of isaiah and find out what god says about how he sees and how he treats the things that we look at isaiah 55 verse 8 to verse 9 seeing through the eyes of god and thinking like god thinks isaiah 55 verse 8 and verse 9 are you there it says for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways says the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts god is contrasting his ways and his thoughts and our thoughts as well as our ways and he described the contrast as as high as the heavens are above the earth it gives the impression that it's such a wide gap as i try to appreciate the gap between heaven and earth my mind went to the concept of very fast cars and very slow cars and so i checked out the fastest car in the world in 2017 and i i checked out some cars and for those of you who love cars the bugatti veyron super sport runs at 268 miles per hour now the hennessy venom gt runs at 270 miles per hour the Koenigsegg Ajera runs at 273 miles per hour, and that holds the record officially as the fastest car allowed to run on road. Now, I checked also the slowest car in the world, and there is a car called the Peel P50, and it has an electronic maximum speed of 30 miles per hour. 30 miles versus 270, 273 miles per hour. And so in my very fertile imagination, I converted the, the, the miles to, to kilometers, and it came to 435 kilometers per hour, which I'm sure many of us can relate to. And so imagine these three super-fast cars lining up for a race, and then from nowhere, the Peel P52 comes to stand next to them. I can imagine them turning to the car and saying, listen, your ways are not our ways. The race we are running is not for cars like you. And so in my mind, I began to understand when God says, your ways are not my ways. Neither are your thoughts my thoughts. And so I concluded that God sees, hears, thinks, speaks, and acts differently from us. I also concluded that 
he operates at a far higher wavelength frequency and level than us he says my ways are different and then also my ways are higher so when we hear and see and think and speak and act like god does we share in his divine nature how does god see paul contrasts the way god sees with the way man sees in second corinthians chapter 4 once we can understand how god sees and how different it is from how we see we can begin to see like god and bring down the rain in second corinthians 4 verse 16 to verse 18 paul speaking he says therefore we do not lose heart for even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day verse 17 for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory look out verse 18 it says while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal some trouble that is disturbing you today is temporary the thing you cannot see that is eternal hallelujah and so how does god see when we see like god we focus on the inward spiritual man when we see like god we focus on the glory that is ahead of us when we see like god we focus on eternity and when we see like god we focus not on the visible but on the invisible let me take out these four parts in a minute for for us and we can proceed from there and so man is concerned about the outward man what will i wear what will i eat what will i drink how would i look that is the primary focus of man but god is interested in our inward man our spirit our thoughts our character the hidden man of our heart and our faith work with him these are the things that are important to god and so while we look at the outward man god looks at the inward that is why when david was about to be chosen samuel looked at eliab and said he looks like and god said hold on the criteria is different god looks inward the second thing is that while man looks at our challenges our troubles our limitations god dismisses them he calls them light afflictions that sickness trying to bother your body is a light affliction that person tormenting you and harassing you and, and, and trying to make your, li- your life miserable is a light affliction. It is light. God calls it light affliction. It should not turn our hearts from God. Light affliction compared to the glory 
that is ahead of you. Somebody be assured tonight that your end is the glory of God. The songwriter says, our strength, thy grace. Our rule, thy word. Our end, the glory of the Lord. The word of God is sure. The word of God is true. And the word of God is tried. Your end will be beautiful. Your end will be glorious. When God has finished working on your case, where you will arrive, it will be a testimony that will be celebrated to the glory of God. The light affliction you are facing today is nothing compared to the glory that lies ahead. The third thing Paul says is that man lives for today. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. The perception about man is that life is all about today. But God prioritizes eternity. God places much more value about the life hereafter. Where will your soul be? That is God's priority. And the fourth one is, the Bible says that man focuses on that which is seen. Hey, I am in trouble. Hey, things are difficult. Hey, everybody around me is fainting. Man focuses on the seen, but God focuses on the unseen. If you can see like God, the rain will fall in your life. How do we see that which is unseen? If the Bible says that God sees the unseen, how can the unseen be seen? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10 and find out how do you see the invisible? How do you see the unseen? You wake up and your neighbors are around you. You go to work and your colleagues are around you. It's a tough world. How do you see that which is not seen? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. I love the word prepared. It gives me the impression that there was a menu. He took his time and cut the ingredients and organized them in a certain way to arrive at a certain outcome. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. Are there some lovers of God in this place? Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god friends the secret of the lord is revealed by the holy spirit the things that are unseen can only be revealed to us as we allow the holy spirit to be our counselor our teacher and our guide when you are making that all-important decision in that defining moment of your life when you know that one wrong choice can derail the rest of your life, you need the Holy Spirit to be your guide. That is the blessing of having the Holy Spirit. When you are about to sign a contract, when you are about to choose a life partner, and you are praying and say, Lord, help me. You are looking at that which is seen. But guess what? The Holy Spirit can show you that which is unseen. And just before you commit somehow, from nowhere, a simple question, 
a simple question that had no hidden meaning and then all of a sudden so many truths come flooding through you say thank you holy spirit i would have made the mistake of my lifetime friends if there was ever a time when we needed the holy spirit it is now one of the principal reasons why the holy spirit was given bible says was to lead us into all truth Jesus speaking in John 16 verse 13, he said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Tell somebody all truth. One more time, all truth. The truth concerning your life, the truth concerning your health, the truth concerning your career, the truth concerning your ministry, all truth. He will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come tell somebody things to come something that has not happened yet but the holy spirit will tell you may somebody receive divine guidance by the holy spirit may the holy spirit of god reveal to you something that is not seen but which will happen so that you will make choices that will not seem apparent nobody will understand them but it will deliver you from some trouble ahead and deliver you from some wrong choices and deliver you from some traps of the enemy you are just going to board a particular taxi holy spirit says leave this one and take the next one you don't even understand but you just obey and then 100 meters into the journey the first taxi that went ahead of you is in some ditch the holy spirit can walk with you every minute of the day every hour of the day every day of your life why don't you lift up your hands and say holy spirit i need you help me lead me guide me walk with me hallelujah May the Holy Spirit reveal to you the things that are to come. I want us to look at some biblical characters who refused to see through the eyes of men and who saw through the eyes of God and experienced the reign of God's blessing. Let's look at four situations that confront us on a daily basis and find out people in the scriptures who face the same situations and instead of looking at it through the eyes of men, decided to look at it through the eyes of God and the benefit of the reign of God's blessing upon their lives. Let's start with childbearing, waymakers and visionaries. Let's start with childbearing or barrenness or unfruitfulness in our lives. And let's go to the man called Abraham, a man blessed by God called by god and in genesis 15 reading from verse 1 bible says that god appears to abraham and says i am your shield and exceeding great reward and abraham says god how can you say things like this i don't have a child i am trusting you for a child and i don't have one and my servant is about to inherit my property at that point, Abraham was seen through the eyes of men. He says, there are issues. God, there are issues. I'm unemployed. That's what we will say today. Or, I am barren. Or, I am trusting and I've not yet seen fruitfulness 
in my ministry, in my prayer life, in, my, in every aspect of my life. Bible says in verse 5, Then God brought him outside. Let's all see outside. And said, look now towards the heaven. You see, when God said, look towards the heaven, he was reminding Abraham that as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. He said, look towards the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. At the time God was speaking, Abraham was childless. In the eyes of men, you may seem barren. In the eyes of men, you may seem unemployed. In the eyes of men, you may seem unfulfilled and unproductive. But I came to announce to somebody, through the eyes of God, your descendants are like the stars in the sky. Through the eyes of God, you will see countless descendants, countless fruits, countless blessings upon your life. Somebody see, I will see through the eyes of God. Somebody refuse to see through the eyes of men because the picture you see will discourage you. The second example, again with Abraham, is an example about competition. You may want to call it business competition. Sometimes in our lives, people compete with you. Either in business, in life, in something that you are doing, you find that people are competing with you. Abraham had a, a very wonderful nephew and mentee that he was coaching. And because of Abraham, God had blessed him so much. His name was Lot. And as Lot got more and more blessed, competition began to emerge between Lot and Abraham, instigated by Lot and by his staff. And Bible says staff conflicts began to arise. But Abraham knew one secret that was great. That the blessing of the Lord is in a person and not a location. And so he said to him, Lord, let's not fight. Choose any place you like. He gave him the first choice. If Lot understood the principle of blessing, he would have said, forgive me. Forgive me for my immaturity and my childishness. I repent with my hands behind me. But Bible says that Lot chose to see with the eye of men. And Bible says he chose the well-watered plains of Sodom. When you see with the eyes of men, you can make some choices that look nice on the surface. But which carry trouble behind them. Bible says Abraham kept quiet and Lot chose almost like your competitor choosing the best clients and the best contracts or your partner in business you're having a difficulty you say listen let's go our separate ways choose what you like and leave the rest for me and the person takes all the best clients and the best contracts you say how will I survive but Bible says that after Lot made his selection in Genesis 13, verse 14 and verse 15, Bible says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Put your name there. And the Lord said to Quasi, And the Lord said to Elizabeth. And the Lord said to Alan. And the Lord said to somebody. And the Lord said to Eric. And the Lord said to Ajwa. After your competitor was separated, lift up your eyes now. Once again, the lifting is a reminder that the ways of God are higher than the ways of men. 
he said lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are look north south east and west for all the land which you will see i will give to you and your descendants forever somebody may scatter everything and think they've taken everything and there's nothing left for you but when you see through the eyes of god in the face of competition after they've taken everything that there is god will tell you i am your shield and exceeding great reward if you can look up to me you will possess the north and possess the south and possess the east and possess the west including what lord took away you will win your battles you will prevail in your competition because the lord is your strength the third example we see is from elisha and that speaks about warfare life is full of warfare sometimes you are surrounded by enemies that are too big for you you look at your arsenal just like last week we studied about the midianites and there are so many of them you ask yourself how can i fight this number how can i fight people so well resourced so connected in the book of second kings chapter 6 verse 14 to verse 17 a huge syrian army with horses and chariots had surrounded elisha's city they wanted to kill him for a simple reason he was providing military intelligence to the king and so whenever they plan what to do elisha will tell the king oh they they are coming from this side and then he will defeat them and the servant of elisha woke up and saw them first and panicked and ran to elisha and said master this one it is real trouble we've seen trouble but this one is major but when elisha rose up he saw a different picture the same circumstances the same place they were both looking at the same situation but one was seeing trouble and one was seeing divine protection and so he told the servants fear not it is well and the servant said you don't understand look at the armory look at the spears look at the swords look at the weapons and then elisha prayed a prayer for that servant which i believe is a prayer we must pray every day he said lord open his eyes that he may see put your hand on your eyes and say lord open my eyes that i may see there are things that if god opens your eyes and you see you will stop fretting there are things that when god opens your eyes and you see you will stop complaining there are things that when god opens your eyes and you see you will stop panicking you will rest your case in god when elijah said open the eyes was the servant blind no but he was seeing through the eyes of men so when he said open his eyes he was saying lord just put uh, put the physical scene aside for a minute and open his spiritual eyes 
and the moment the servant's eyes were opened he saw a different army surrounding them with chariots of fire and with swords drawn i came from god to announce to somebody that the enemy can gather against you but a thousand will fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand and they shall not come near you only with your spiritual eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked you will prevail in your battles you will prevail in your war they will gather but they will fail they will gather but they will not prevail because jehovah will stand around you like a man of war hallelujah them that are for you are more and stronger than them that are against you it is a blessing to work with jesus it is a blessing to be a Christian. It is a blessing to have the Holy Spirit guiding us on our journey. Somebody rest your case in God. It's all right. Hallelujah. You will prevail. I said you will prevail. I said God will protect you. They will rise up, but they will not prevail. Hallelujah. Let's look at our final biblical character and our flagship character for today. And we are looking at how to turn a major farming around. Tonight, I don't know who I'm speaking to. But if there is farming in your health, it will be turned around. If there is farming in your finances, it will be turned around. I don't know who I'm speaking to and your family, there is farming in the family. Nobody seems to rise up beyond some point in life. There will be a turn around tonight. I don't know who I'm speaking to and nobody in the family has been able to marry successfully one trouble after another but there is grace in the house of God to turn somebody's situation around the reign of God will fall on somebody's situation today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ turning a major famine in your life around famine is about dryness famine is about scarcity famine is about unemployment Farming is about lack of productivity. Farming is about frustration. Farming is about doubt, fear, desperation. Israel under King Ahab had worshipped Baal and incurred the wrath of God. And Elijah had declared judgment that it would not rain and for three and a half years there was no rain. Severe famine, drought and difficulty in the land. At the appointed time, God sent Elijah and said, Confront the prophets of Baal that have raised up altars of wickedness and cast them down and, and confront them and overpower them and kill them. And so at Mount Carmel, Elijah called a competition and brought down fire from heaven and destroyed, burnt up the sacrifice and then killed all the prophets of Baal. When the abomination was removed, he now announced that the reign of God was about to fall. Last week we learned something. That when you destroy the altars of Baal, you will win your battle against the Midianites. When you destroy the altars of sin, you will win your battles. When you destroy the abomination that stands between you and your walk with God, you will see the reign of God's blessing. Hallelujah. So let's look at what happened. First Kings 18 verse 41 to verse 46. 
first kings chapter 18 verse 41 it says then elijah said to ahab go up and eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain if the bible is even borrowed still underline there is a sound of abundance of rain because that sound is so clear tonight there is a sound there is a sound there is a sound there is a sound in this place of abundance of rain so ahab went up to eat and drink and elijah went up to the top of carmel and then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant go up now look towards the sea so he went up and looked and said there is nothing and seven times he said go again verse 44 which we read earlier then it came to pass the seventh time, the seventh time, the appointed time, that he said there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. And there was a heavy rain and so ahab rode away and went to jezreel then the hand of the lord came upon elijah and he gathered up his loins and ran ahead of ahab to the entrance of jezreel may a sound from god be heard in somebody's life tonight a sound a sound a sound May there be a sound of abundance of rain in somebody's life tonight. It doesn't matter how long the famine has been. It doesn't matter how long the drought has been. It doesn't matter how long you've experienced dryness in your health, in your business, in your spiritual life. May the sound of abundance of rain break forth in somebody's life tonight. And may a little cloud begin to rise in somebody's life. A little cloud like a man's hand. It does not look like anything big, but we serve a God of small beginnings. May a little cloud begin to rise up in somebody's life tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say a cloud somebody say a sound and then a cloud a sound and a cloud a sound and a cloud may a sound be heard in somebody's home may a sound be heard in somebody's life may a cloud begin to rise on somebody's behalf signaling the end of the famine signaling the end of your disappointment signaling the end of your shame signaling the end of your pain may the cloud rise on your behalf in the name of the lord jesus christ four secrets emerge from elijah about how to see through the eyes of god and stop the drought and bring down the rain four secrets of elijah Number one, elevation. Elevation. The place where God is taking you, if you will get there, you must lift up your eyes. God said to Abraham, lift up your eyes. Elijah said to the servant, lift up your eyes. There is a lifting and there is an elevation. When you climb, you, you, you lift yourself beyond your circumstances. By climbing to the top of Mount Carmel, Elijah was operating from an elevated place. 
he lifted himself above the low level that everybody else was operating in. In science, they say your elevation determines your perspective. It means that how high you stand determines how far you can see. A person standing on a 20-story building at the top can see further than a person standing in front of a one-story. When you lift yourself up spiritually, you can see far. You can see through the eyes of God. You can't stand in a place of low revelation and see far in the things of God. Elevation means lift up yourself above the mundane. Lift up yourself above your fears. Lift up yourself above your worries. Lift up yourself above your challenges. Lift up yourself above your shame. And lift up yourself above the troubles that surround you. Carmel was also the place of repentance. It was the place where Israel had repented and said, The Lord, he is God. And so Elijah went to stand symbolically on that mountain. To remind the whole of Israel that when we repent from our wrong ways and acknowledge his lordship, we operate at an elevated level. Tell somebody elevate. Tell the person elevate. The second thing we see from Elijah is focus. Focus. Bible says he bowed down and locked his face between his knees and refused to look around him. You can't be believing God and then you are looking at the symptoms and saying, hey, will I die or will I live? You can't be looking at your troubles and at your symptoms and speak the language of God or see with the eyes of God. Elijah locked his face between his knees. What was he saying? I refuse to focus on my physical problems. I refuse to focus on the deadline my landlord has given me. Oh, tell somebody I refuse. I refuse to focus on my limitations. I refuse to focus on my doctor's report. I refuse to focus on any symptoms of any disease. I want to see with the eye of faith and see through the eyes of God. Elisha was saying, I am looking unto God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Tell somebody, look to Jesus. Not to your problems. Not to your worries. Tell the person, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. I refuse to see my troubles. I refuse to see my doubts. And I refuse to see my fears. I lift up my eyes and I look to Jesus, the author and the finisher. Hallelujah. The third thing you see from Elijah is persistence. Persistence. And so as he prayed and trusted and waited, he sent the servant and said, go and look towards the sea. He came back and said, there is nothing. There is nothing. There there was no check. There was no letter in the post box. No email came. Nothing. Somebody said, well, I did my best. Everyone knows I tried. Bible says Elijah remained in the same posture and said, go again. Second time, nothing. Go again. Third time, nothing. Go again. Fourth time, nothing. Go again. Fifth time, sixth time. 
there was a battle between the eyes of men and the eyes of God. The servant was seeing the same repeated picture of failure, nothing happening, but Elijah was seeing something between his knees and he wanted that thing to manifest. And so he said, keep going and keep going and keep going, but there is something called the seventh time. There is a perfect timing of God. There is the appointed time of God. You may have gone and been bounced. You may have gone and tried and failed. It may have become like your signature. When you get there, everybody knows you because you have failed six times, but on the seventh time, on the day appointed by God, the same place where you knew shame, the same place where you knew disappointment, one more time you will go, and this time, something different was there there was a cloud like a man's hand something small it will be just like a little open door but believe me the god of small beginnings will start with a little cloud like a man's hand the moment elijah's head a little cloud he said that's it that is it that's the turning point and so tonight i came from god to announce to somebody that is the turning point the turning point for your life the turning point for your health the turning point for your ministry the turning point for your family believe me my friends that little cloud will become a mighty rain of the blessing of god somebody believe that the cloud is rising somebody believe there is a sound of abundance somebody believe that the cloud that is rising will turn your life around forever hallelujah oh there is a cloud rising in somebody's life there is a change coming for somebody tonight there is a turning point in somebody's life tonight there is a sound that is clear that grace is abounding towards somebody tonight it's been a struggle but grace is coming through for you tonight a sound and a cloud rising in your favor the final lesson is beautiful after the sound and after the cloud Elijah didn't need to see the full picture. He knew that God had done it already. Because when you are walking with God and you trust and obey him, the relationship is beautiful. You don't need to see everything. While we look not at things that are seen, but at things that are unseen, the little cloud, he said, that's it. Just move. He told Ahab, just ride to Jezreel. Go home. It's finished. He said, but pastor, the, the report is still there. He says, go home. It is finished. It is finished. The fourth lesson from Elijah is acceleration. He told Ahab, write and go home. The rain will beat you. It was not drizzling, but he says, go home or the rain will beat you. And so Ahab starts riding towards Jezreel. And the moment that assignment is completed, Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah. And at that point, he began to run. And he began to run. And Ahab was riding on the royal chariot. That's the fastest chariot in the land. But the spirit of God came upon Elijah. And Elijah ran and overtook the chariot and went to wait at the gate of Jezreel for Ahab to come. There is a certain grace that makes you run faster than chariots. There is a certain grace that makes you run faster. No matter what technology, no matter what resources, no matter what chariots, no matter what speed, people in power and authority are running with 
when the grace of God comes upon your life and you begin to run, it will be supernatural acceleration. Somebody will run faster than chariots. Somebody will run faster than the establishment. Somebody will run and overtake chariots in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, I want to announce to somebody, when you see with the eyes of God, you will receive strength you cannot understand. Strength you cannot explain. And you will run faster than chariots. There is grace in this place to accelerate. There is grace in this place to overtake. May the anointing of the overtaker come upon somebody tonight. May somebody receive divine speed. May somebody run towards your destiny. May somebody overtake everything that has gone ahead of you. And may somebody come to that place where the abundance of the reign of God falls on every dry situation in your life. It may be dry today, but there is a sound. It may be dry today, but there is a cloud. And may every single one of us come to that place appointed by God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-249-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Searching the light, the light has come. He's a return.